I see somebody in, in serious financial debt is because they didn't recognize it when they should have, and they didn't act when yeah. they should have. Yeah. They postponed, they postponed, they postponed, hoping things would get better, and they just got steadily worse. In this episode of Getting Money Right, we're talking about what happens when you can't make your minimum payments. When you start to get so upside down on your debts that you're using your food money to pay your credit card bills. When you realize that you're stuck in a cycle that you can't break out of and you're wondering, should I just stop paying all my creditors altogether? Is there even a fair way to pay some creditors and not others? Or who should I stop paying first? You have all these questions, all these worries, all these fears. Should you be calling the creditors, letting them know you can't pay? Or should you just turn your phone off and hide? Are there tools out there to help you through this process? That's what Leo and I want to talk about in today's episode of Getting Money Right. Yeah, what we're talking about is really financial bondage. And unfortunately, many of us have either experienced it or will experience it. So what we want to do is unpack this thing and really talk about it in a very practical way. Because whether you are experiencing financial bondage right now or you've experienced it in the past, we want to give you some language, some processes that you can walk through to be able to get out of it. Financial bondage is something that you can overcome, and we want to talk about it and help you to do that. Yeah, you're feeling this financial stress, and you're juggling bills that are due with the timing of your paycheck. You're wondering, you know, am I going to get my paycheck on the 30th or the 31st? Or what happens if it's delayed till Monday, and now I've got some extra days in there? I mean, you're at the place where every single day matters. Your credit cards are piling up. The difficulty of making that minimum payment it becomes overwhelming. You're starting to get to the place where emotionally the battle Mm -hmm. is stronger than you're ready for. And we want to encourage you. We want to push back in and say, no, you are strong enough. You do have the ability. And we're going to give you some tools and some language to get there. So have you been at that place where you're making credit card payments and you're just barely hitting the minimums? You know, your balance is still growing even though you're paying the minimums. And as that's happening, you're beginning to see the spiral go further and further. You're so upside down that now you can't make those minimum payments. Leo, what do you begin to do? Yeah, the tough thing about getting in a situation like that is that it seems to be um, almost like there's nothing you can do, right? I mean, like, like you said, sometimes the, the payment is due on the 15th, and you're not going to get your check until the 14th, and you're hoping that you'll be able to clear that, right? I mean, you're, you're, yeah. you're playing with the bills and it's almost like uh, what I like to call uh, uh, bill roulette. You know, it's like, <laughs> am, am I going to be able to make this thing work out where yeah. it's going to it's gonna help me to pay the payment on time and avoid another another fee, right? Because every time you're right. late, is right. another ding on your credit. It's also another uh, fee that you're paying, $35 or more now is what, what you're charged for a late fee. And I think for many people that are caught in this situation, it's almost like there's no clear way to get out of it. And I know I felt that way when when I was in that situation where it's it seemed like no matter how much I made, no matter how hard I tried, even trying to make more than the minimum payment, it seemed like I never could quite get a handle on it. It seemed like the debt was going in the wrong direction, even though I was really focusing on it, but yet there was something missing. And I think this is something that we want to unpack is how do we, first of all, get into this situation? How do we get to the point where the debt is growing and the minimum payments are getting harder and harder to make? Because unless we answer that question, then no matter how we tackle this situation, we're really not going to get to the root of the problem. Right. And I remember a financial counselor that taught me about managing money. He would say this 
to the people that would call into the show and, and ask, should I pay off my credit card with a lower interest rate? Should I consolidate? Should I take out a loan out of my home? And he would always say, have you taken care of the real problem? And they would be like, well, what do you mean? <laughs> and he would say, how did you get into the credit card debt in the first place? And I think most of us will let ourselves off the hook by saying, well, it was, it was you know, Christmas or it was an unexpected emergency. It was things like that. But honestly, in the years that I've counseled people and I've looked at their debt and asked them plainly, where does this debt come from? And we're talking debt that sometimes is as high as forty, fifty thousand dollars of credit card debt. Now, hopefully our listeners are nowhere in that. That is my hope, my prayer, that it's not anything like that. But it doesn't matter if it's five thousand or forty thousand. What I found through my counseling is that most people have credit card debt, but it's not for basic needs. It's not because they had to feed their family. It's not because they had to take care of an emergency. Most of the time it was frivolous spending. Sometimes it was buying something that they could have waited for but didn't want to. And they could make the minimum payments, so they did it. And unfortunately, when we do that, it takes a portion of our income and makes it harder for us to meet our basic needs. And then that just gets worse because every time we want to spend money on something that we want or something we need to spend on, and we don't have that margin, then we end up using the credit cards. Yeah, what I see happen is people, it's not that they, they don't think they're being frivolous in their spending, but they have a little bit of money in their checking account. And it's the end of the month and they think, okay, I've got an extra $200 this month. So I'm going to go out and buy something nice. I'm going to go out for dinner. I'm going to go to the movies. I'm going to buy Seems some logical. new clothes. Right. There's money in the account. So I'm just going to spend it. Well, really that money should have been saved for the new tires that are going to be needed two months from now, mm -hmm. or it should have been saved for the doctor's visits that's going to come up. And so what happens is people will utilize that little bit of margin left at the end of the month not thinking about other things that should have been in their budget from the beginning. That's the key word though, right? I mean, if they had a budget that specifically outlined every expense that they had, not just this month, not just next month, but every month of the year. Right. And every expense. And I know sometimes when we say that to some people, that may seem like it's too much detail. But all in honesty, when you think about it, if I know, if let's say I just bought a vehicle and it needs new tires or right. the car I own right now needs tires and... I know that it's starting to get to the point where I'm unsafe on the road with the right. tires that I have. Now, I may not have the money to buy them right now, but maybe five months from now I can. Maybe I can get through the summer, and when the fall and winter comes, I need to have those better tires. So now I've got four or five months to get about four to $500 to replace tires on my car. Right. So at least that gives me some room. Well, I can do that with every expense. I can look at every expense and say, okay, what expense do I have six months from now? Mm -hmm. when, when is my inspection on my car due? When are my, my tags due? All of those things, we know what the cost is, or at least we can determine pretty closely what that cost is going to be. Right. And we can work backwards and say, okay, if I need $50 in the next four months, then I'm going to put $12.50 per month until I have that $50. And that's really what we're talking about is when we budget, we're actually taking every expense and we're giving it an amount, a monthly amount, and setting the money aside every month. Whereas when we don't budget, then whatever money's left over, we think, oh, it's free money. It's it's extra money, so I can use it. And right. unfortunately, because we're not providing the other things, those things become emergencies when they should never really qualify as emergencies because they're things that are going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Yeah. I see this come uh, in, in kind of three different ways for three different income types. And uh, any one of these can apply to all three, but let me give you three quick examples. One, you have somebody who earns $30,000 a year 
and they never took the time to go look at the budgeting tool and look at what the gu- the guideline was for their housing. Mm-hmm. And so they got housing that seemed reasonable to them, maybe at $1,000 a month or $1,200 a month. And they thought, well, I, I deserve this because everybody else I know has a $1,000 apartment or $1,200 apartment. And they thought it was appropriate, but really their lifestyle for housing should have been about five or $600. And maybe they needed to be renting a room or living with a friend or family member for a couple of years and saving. Mm-hmm. And so just the, the housing lifestyle was beyond. And so that caused them to use up all their margin. And now they have no room for those unexpected expenses. And they say, well, it's an emergency. This really, this couldn't have been planned, but mm-hmm. it was when they bought the housing that got them in trouble the first time. Right. The next group would be somebody in that, Fifty to eighty thousand dollar a year income range, and that's just what we talked about. That family that has a little bit of money left in their budget at the end of the month, and they spend it thinking it's free spending money, but it's because they didn't put a plan in place. Mm-hmm. And because they don't have that plan, they're not thinking about Christmas. They're not thinking about the new tires. They're not thinking about car replacement. They're not thinking about the doctor's visit or the orthodontist. And because of that you know, two, three months down the road, oh, now we owe $1,000 to the orthodontist. We, we never could have anticipated this. But for the past five months, you know, we've had $200 of margin, but we spent it on fun stuff instead of planning for this. Mm-hmm. And then the final person is that person that earns $100,000 a year. And they're doing really well financially, but there's just kind of this, this oh, well, you know, I, I you know, what's an extra 80 bucks a month, an extra thousand dollars a month. You know, if I, if I swipe the credit card and I buy this thing, you know, buy a little bit nicer vehicle or a little bit nicer, I'm going to go out and buy a pool and put it on credit. And, and they add just a little bit of extra lifestyle Mm -hmm. over time and a thousand dollars here, a thousand dollars there, two or three years in, and they're looking at 20, 30, 40, $50,000 of, debt and it's just lifestyle creep. So there are three different ways where this creeps in and any one of those can attack any of those individual people. But that's where I've seen it on those different income scales. Yeah. How we get into the bondage is different depending on how much money we make. It depends on our choices, uh, even our financial prowess. You know, maybe some of us have more education in the area of money and some less. So it's not that some are bound to be in bondage and some are not. Right. It's just that, again, we've talked about this and this is the reason why we have this podcast on. We're trying to educate people in a topic that's very rarely taught, right? I mean, personal finance is just not taught. And it's our passion to do that, to help educate people, because some of these things that we get caught up in, it seems like it's something that we should figure out, but it's really not an easy thing. We had Russell on a couple of weeks ago uh, talking about the emotions of money. Yeah. And we have to understand that it's not it's not just logic. Mm-hmm. Money and our emotions are tied together. It's based on needs, wants, priorities, values. And so we're going to spend based on the things that we want to make our life happy, fulfilled. And sometimes we go beyond that when we don't have a plan. So financial right. bondage happens that way. So how do we how do we get out of financial bondage? Yeah. That's really the important thing is how do we get out of it? Right. So first, you have to recognize that you're in bondage. Mm-hmm. You have to understand what you can and what you cannot do. Because you may be thinking you can make all these payments, but really, when you look at your basic needs, you might begin to realize that you can't make all the debt payments, and that's where it becomes very tough. It's not really a matter of what you want to do. Once you've realized it, hey, I'm in financial bondage, I want to make all my payments, yep. but you realize that maybe you can't. So nobody wants to be in this position of not being able to pay their monthly bills, 
but you've got to be able to recognize that and accept when you're in that position. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, when you first recognize that financial bondage, uh, there are a few things that you can like look at and say, okay, maybe I can use some of my human capital, my personal resources of time and energy and skill to go take on an extra job and go attack this debt. But maybe you're at the place where you've maxed out. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're already working 50 plus hours a week. There's no room for an extra job in your um, lifestyle. Now, when I say that, maybe you've got family. It's not lifestyle, but season of life. Yeah. You know, you've got several yeah. kids. You've got different things moving. And and so it's tough. Or maybe you're a single parent. And so, you know, you can work during the workday and put kids in daycare. But at night, you know, you've got to be home. There are different, there are different technicalities here that will come out. But it's good to go get that extra work. But sometimes you're going to find you've exhausted even that option. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're talking about, where you've exhausted all the options and you've begun to lower your lifestyle, but you can't get your lifestyle much lower. And now you're saying, okay, what do I do? I recognize I'm in financial bondage. I recognize I want to make the payments, but I can't make the payments. So what's next? Yeah. The next thing would be obviously to, to stop the financial bleeding. I think the most important thing is once you understand that there's a problem is to clearly identify how bad is this problem. If you think about finances and, and debt as a as an injury, yeah. you know, if you're injured, and you're bleeding, and let's say you cut a main artery, you've got literally seconds to stop that bleeding before you <laughs> yeah. bleed out and die. Right. At that point, you're not really concerned about whether you're taking your vitamins, whether, you know, none of that <laughs> right. matters. What right. matters is saving your life. And I think sometimes, in fact, I see this over and over again, when I see somebody in, in serious financial debt is because they didn't recognize it when they should have, and they didn't act. Yeah. when they should have. Yeah. They postponed, they postponed, they postponed, hoping things would get better, and they just got steadily worse. So the most important part about this is to to stop. You just have to stop and begin to control the situation rather than letting the situation control you. And most people who get into debt, because they act too late, they're going to be in a position where they can't pay, or they're right. not going to be able to pay everybody. Right. But more than likely, they're not going to be able to pay everybody or nobody at all. Right. And when you're in that position... You have to embrace the fact that, okay, I didn't want to get here. This was not part of the original plan, but I have to do something. I have to take drastic action in order to stop this. Just like the bleeding, Mm -hmm. I have to stop it. Otherwise, I'm going to die. Well, in this same case, if you don't stop this, it's only going to get worse. And the worse it gets, the harder it's going to be to get it better and to fix it. Yeah, yeah. And and making it worse would be, okay, I know that I can't afford my credit card debt, And so I'm going to use some of my monthly paycheck to pay the minimum while I go get another credit card Mm -hmm. to pay my living expenses. And then, okay, now I can't, I've maxed out that credit card. So uh, I'm a little nervous. Now I'm going to go borrow money from a family member and I'm going to use the borrowed money to pay my living expenses and my paycheck just to pay the minimums and kind of just keep floating. Like mm-hmm. you're just floating along, but you're floating further and further down river. Yeah. And this is when you've hit the artery. All of a sudden you're going in the wrong direction really fast. Really fast. And that's a scary place to be. Yeah. I think that the most important part of this journey is once you have recognized that there is bondage, once you have stopped and analyzed to look and say, okay, what do I need to do? Uh, how bad is this? Then it's, you begin to start to take action. And that action has to include looking at your whole situation. You have to look at what are my needs? Because at that point, it's no longer what do I want? 
It's what do I need to do? Right. 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 It's basic needs. So you're going to talk about, I think you'll mention this in a little bit, about the four walls of our financial house. So, uh, But it's basic needs. It's the things that we need to live. And then you have to prioritize saving because what got us in this situation in the first place is that we didn't have any margin. We didn't have anything to draw from in order to take care of potentially an emergency or even to spend on the things that we wanted to. There was no money, so we used credit. Yeah. And that credit just took more and more of our income away that got us in the situation. Yeah, I think it's a, that's important to start with those basic needs. And, and let's dig into them. A, you need to have food mm-hmm. uh, every day. You need yep. to eat and have water. And so food, now needs versus wants, water versus sparkling water. You or know. tea or whatever. Or tea or <laughs> Coke, right? I mean, yeah. water, you know I mean? Yeah. Depending on where you're at. Uh, food, clothing, mm-hmm. Most people living in the United States have multiple clothing outfits. Yes. Uh, And so most of the time you can live on your current clothing for quite a while. But Mm -hmm. you do need clothing, especially if you're looking for a job or you're currently employed. You need to present yourself well. Absolutely. Shelter and then transportation. Now, when you first realize that you're in this unbelievable situation and things are going the wrong way and you've basically cut a financial artery, um, I think that as far as shelter comes, it would be amazing for you to get pretty drastic in the way that you change where you're living. Uh, This is an incredible time to utilize your network. And hopefully you've maintained healthy relationships uh, or you're working on maintaining healthy relationships and getting yourself personally healthy. And I don't mean physically healthy, but emotionally healthy Mm -hmm. to where when you go to your friends for help, they want to help you. Uh, they want to open up a door and say, hey, you can live in, in an extra room for a while. You go back to family and say, hey, can we live uh, in, in the basement? Can we live in the attic? Can we live, you know, where can we cut spending dramatically? Uh, maybe it's sharing a house with uh, a brother, a sister, a cousin, uh, or maybe it's just going from a two-bedroom apartment to a one-bedroom apartment. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, going from a big home to a much smaller home. But but start with food, clothing, shelter, and transportation. Uh, you'll need transportation to get to and from work. If you've got these things in place, that's where you want to put your monthly paycheck. That's where your income goes. Because then you can begin to put a little bit of savings together, which is that next step, mm-hmm. which will allow you to say, okay, now I can start to address some of these debts. Now right. I can start to right. go back to these creditors and start talking again. All right, so then the last step is to prevent future indebtedness. So use a budget to direct all spending decisions. This is really, really important because what gets us into a mess is that we don't have a good plan. We're making decisions that are putting us into bondage because we're taking on debt that we can't afford or eventually can't afford. Um, We need to also stop using credit cards. So the only way you're going to get out of debt is if you stop using credit cards, right? If you, The only way you can pay credit cards is to stop using them. You can't continue to use them while you're paying them down. It's just, it's you're defeating yeah, it. Cut them it just up. doesn't make sense, right? Yep. And then use cash for hard to control areas. We talked about some basic needs. Food is a need, but understand that it varies. We've talked about this before in other podcasts, how I can spend a lot more than maybe somebody else on food. And really when it comes down to basic need is whatever keeps me alive. And so there's a variance there, a great variance. I can spend a lot or I can spend a little. When I'm in a situation like this, I have to be able to sacrifice. If I'm asking my creditors to understand that I can't pay them, then I better not be buying food that's expensive. Yeah. Not unhealthy, but just expensive, right? So everything that I do should be to conserve and be frugal and do the best I can to get my situation under control so that I can maximize that surplus that I'm going to build so that I can eventually tackle that debt. 
yeah. right? And build the savings. We're going to do all that, but it's got to be done in that order. Right. Because one of the next steps that we're going to talk about is putting together this one page budget that you communicate with your creditor. Mm-hmm. And if your creditor sees that you are living extravagantly on food, transportation, yeah. housing, clothing, then they're going to be upset and yeah. they're going to push you into really bad places really quickly. So you're, you're well, they're here just showing. not going to cooperate with right. you. Exactly. They're not going to be sympathetic to your situation if they see that you're spending a ton of money in the wrong places. Exactly. So let's talk about dealing with that existing debt. And the first thing that you need to do is just put on the work gloves. <laughs> yeah. This is this is going to take some time. It's going to take some energy. You probably want to just sit down and breathe in slowly and breathe out <laughs> slowly Take a moment to say, okay, I'm going to dig in and fight this thing. Don't try to pass your problems on to someone else. Mm-hmm. You put on the work gloves and you go fight it. Uh, bankruptcy is not the answer. There's not an easy, fresh start to this. Even yeah. bankruptcy takes a ton of work, is yeah. uh, expensive, and a lot of the time you can deal with it yourself. Every now and then, your creditors will force you into bankruptcy. But most of the time, you can go to them and work with all your different creditors, show them your budget, show them your plan, and they will work with you as you go through this process. So now you need to know how much you can pay towards your debt. And this is where the budget comes into place again. Mm -hmm. How much is coming in, how much is going out in the basic categories. Once you know how much is left at the end of the month, you can create a plan that clearly defines, this is how much I can pay towards debt. Mm-hmm. And that could be towards minimums or it could be on a prorated sheet. So if you don't have that budget in place and if you're not taking into account all of the quote unquote unexpected bills like gifts, you know, transportation, uh, housing repairs, various things like that. If, you're, if you don't have that in place, you won't actually know what you can put towards debt each month. So when we go towards your debts, now we're going to say with this extra margin, my priorities are going to be my needs. That would be like my mortgage and my car payment, food, mm-hmm. clothing, shelter, transportation. Right. Then savings. This stops you from taking on future debt. So we're actually telling you that before you go pay the credit card, you need to pay yourself a little something. Mm-hmm. You need to put some money into a savings account so that as you begin to talk to your creditors, if one of them offers you a deal, you have some money in savings. Or if anything unexpected comes up because you haven't quite gotten to the place where your budget is so strong that you don't come across unexpected things, Mm -hmm. at some point you will get there. At some point you'll have everything planned into your budget that almost nothing will surprise you. Uh, But that can take 90 days to a couple of years to do that. And so it's okay, you know, for the first few months to have some savings just to be ready for those quote unquote unexpected things. And now we're doing debt repayment. Yeah. Let me just chime in here for a second because this is a temptation I think that a lot of folks have. They're under this pressure of having to pay, but they now recognize maybe for the first time that they can't quite make all the payments. And in their mind, they've got this, well, in their heart, I think, they've got this battle that's going on. I'm going to have creditors calling me. My credit's going to be shot. And how can I save that? How can I get to a place where I can do everything that I need to do? And the reality is, this is part of the recognizing that there is financial bondage, is that you can't do everything. So the temptation to save and to pay the credit card at the same time, sometimes it's not a realistic one. So we have to prioritize savings because I think too many people are so eager to get the debt under control that they're making not just a minimum payment sometimes, but extra payments. Right. But, but unfortunately, they don't have it. They mm-hmm. just don't have the money to do it. They'll pay $200 on a minimum $50 payment thinking I'll get ahead of it and I'll be able to pay this down. But because they're leaving themselves short in their own budget, 
and in their savings, now they're opening themselves up to borrowing again because they're not going to have the money needed for their needs and to save. So it's it's a cycle. People yeah. think, well, if I just pay it down, then I'll have the money to be able to know. You have to first get the situation under control. You have to build the savings at the risk of not being able to pay the credit cards. Right. Because if you don't build the savings, then the credit cards will be an absolute necessity for you. And you have to eliminate that. Right. That's the only way you'll get out of it. Yeah, I've seen that uh, several times where the person, you know, they were making their minimum payments and they had a little bit extra and they said, oh, this is perfect. I'll get ahead now. Mm-hmm. But they don't actually get ahead. Uh, what they need to do is set that into a savings account and I would say do that until you have at least $1,000 in your savings account. Minimum. Uh, That would be kind of the baseline starter emergency fund. But over time, and depending on if you've got kids and your family situation, you may want to bump that up to two to 3,000 before you start putting extra on those debts. Because the most important thing is that you've got the emergency fund. Because if for some reason you have to move out quickly, well, you need $1,000 to help look for that next place. Mm -hmm. You need $3,000 to handle braces while you're looking for the next place while the tires are being replaced. I mean, this is important to say, okay, I'm going to allow the credit cards to kind of grow over here while I get the savings in place. And then we're going to go attack the credit cards. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds somewhat... uh counterintuitive because we're trying to get the situation under control. So on one hand, we're looking at the debt and the debt's growing. And if we're not making the payments, then the fees are adding and the interest is adding. So it almost seems like it's going in the wrong direction. And honestly, it does get worse before it gets better. And this is going to be somewhat controversial for some folks, but here's the reality. Most of the people that I've counseled have been paying credit card debt for 15, 20, 30, 40 years. So they've been paying interest at 19%, 18%, sometimes over 20% for years and years and years. And it's not because they don't want to pay, but they are in a position where they cannot pay anymore the minimum payment. So if they can't do it, rather than trying to continue to satisfy the credit card company, let's just realize that we've already been funding a lot of their growth and a lot <laughs> right, of their profit. Right. Now, I'm not saying it's right to borrow and not pay. But when you're in a situation when you don't have another option, there's no money, there's no ability to work extra, I think you should do those things if you can. But when you are running out of those options, then you have to say, I'm not going to pay until I can pay. And then at that point, folks, is when you start to negotiate. You start to talk to them and saying, hey, you know what? For 30 years, I paid on time, every time, and I paid thousands and thousands of dollars in interest. And now for the first time in my life, I'm in a situation I can't pay. So I need you to help me. And if you won't work with me, then you're just going to have to deal with me not paying you until you're ready to work with me. And I I honestly, I mean, as hard as some people may find this to believe, I think you have to get that tough with them and with yourself so that you can get out of this thing. Otherwise, you'll be in bondage for the rest of your life. And I I would hate to see anybody in that situation for for the rest of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing you want to do is see if you can lower your lifestyle to build the margin and you need. Mm -hmm. The next thing you want to do is see if you can raise your income to attack the debt faster. But when you've raised your income to the max and you've lowered your lifestyle to the max, you can come to the place, and I've seen it happen, where you can't afford all the debt payments. And now you've got to begin to say, okay, I'm going to build my emergency fund. And I'm going to stop paying the creditors and they're going to get upset. They're going to get mad. They're going to scream. Uh, And now it's time for you to be proactive and begin to call them. And you say, okay, hey, I want to let you know, I'm not going to be able to make my payment this month. Uh, Here's my budget. 
do a simple one-page budget, yep. uh, would you be able to lower my credit card interest rate? I mean, the first thing you want to do is really see if they'll lower your interest rate, if they'll work with you on a payment plan. Uh, but there is a place where even that will not help you. So you get to the place and you say, okay, uh, I'm going to create a pro-rated sheet. Let's say that you have $300 left over at the end of the month. For the first four months, you put that $300 into a savings account. Mm -hmm. Now you've got $1,200 in savings. Next month, you go and you say, okay, I could add this $300 to, or I could use this $300 to pay all my minimums, but my minimums are $700. Mm-hmm. And so you know you can't even make all the minimum payments. Well, I would go to leosebo.com, go to the resources tab and download the create a budget, or not the create a budget, but the actual debt reduction plan tool. And so that debt payoff plan on the front page, you can list all your debts smallest to largest. You're going to want to do that so you have the list and it's easy to go off the list. From there, the second tab has a prorated debt sheet and you can plug in the amount that you owe each creditor and then you can say, I have $300 to go towards all of these creditors. Mm -hmm. What is an equal percentage based on the amount I owe each creditor? And it'll break it down and make an equivalent payment to each one. And yep. you can print that off along with your budget, mail it to them and say, look, I'm doing everything I can. Right. And these days you may even be able to email it to them and save yourself some postage. Yeah. I mean, what you're doing is you're saying, I am doing the best I can with what I have. And you're being forthright. You're going to them rather than running away from them. And you're communicating that your desire is to pay them off, but you just have limited resources right now. And you're doing the best you can. So when you take that $300 to try to satisfy $700 minimum, well, you're not going to be able to do it. But what you can do is you can say, okay, if 50% of my debt goes to Chase, then 50% of that $300 is going to go to Chase. And then the rest of them are going to all get a percentage of what I have available. And when your income goes up and when you make more money, then you just put more money toward that payment. And if you do that, Sure. I mean, you're still not making the minimum payments. We understand that. But you're being proactive. You're communicating with your creditors. And there's not much they can do, really, when you're being that cooperative. And they, they have two options here. They can either under, understand, work with you, maybe for, forgive some of the debt, maybe reduce some of the fees. Or they can just play hardball and can write off the debt, send you to a collector, and, and, and eventually end up with pennies on the dollar. Because that's what's going to happen. Eventually, if they don't want to work with you, and you don't pay them, they're not going to get paid. They're going to have to write that off, and you're going to have to deal with it later. Right. And you're going to pay less than the, the original amount. Right. Yeah, the credit card is what's called an unsecured loan. They don't have anything securing their payment. Uh, on a mortgage, the home secures the payment. If you can't make your mortgage payments, then the bank will take your home away, mm -hmm. and they'll use that to pay your payments, and they'll take your house away. So it's secured by your home. But with a credit card, it's unsecured. There's nothing backing up that's promising that they're going to get their money other than your name. I mean, you signed the card and you mm -hmm. promised. But let's say you get to the place where you can't make these payments. Now they have two options. You know, one, they sell it to uh, a collections company for literally pennies on the dollar, 10%, 5% of what the original amount was. Or they take you to court. And taking you to court has court fees and taking you to court is a legal battle and it's frustrating and it takes time and there's attorneys involved. And so they don't have a great, great option most of the time. Now, if you owe, you know, 20, 30, 40 grand on a single credit card, there's a chance they may take you to court. But most of the time, they're going to want to work with you as much as possible for as long as possible. 
And over a long period of time, if you're unable to pay, then you can come back and say, look, I've been able to scratch together a little bit of cash. I owe 10 other credit card companies. If you will reduce the amount I owe you, I'll pay you off today. If you will, you know, paid in full, give me a, a written letter that says, you know, we'll take $1,000 for the $5,000 bill, paid in full, settled, paid up front, then all of a sudden, they may be interested in negotiating with you because they don't want to send it to collection and they don't want to take it into a legal battle. Doesn't mean they can't, but it's a lot of extra work for them. Let me give you a quick recap of what you're going to do. First, you're going to go to leosebo.com, go to the resources tab and click on the debt payoff plan. You're going to list all of your debts, smallest to largest, because you need to know who you owe, how much you owe, and if you can't afford the minimum monthly payments, you're going to go to that second tab and that tab has the prorated sheet and I've got it open here and you know, you could put in maybe you owe $10,000 to one creditor, $5,000 to another, $1,000 to another. It'll tell you what percent of your total debt you owe and how much if you've got 500 bucks left over at the end of the month, how much you can put towards each one of those. So it's going to be a super helpful tool. Now you know how much you owe to who you owe, then you use a create a budget tool. And you make sure that you know exactly what your income is and exactly what your outgo is. And one of the best things you can do is lower your lifestyle expenses to the absolute minimum and raise your income wherever possible to squeeze out as much margin as possible. Get that $1,000 emergency fund moving as quickly as possible. Maybe bring it up to $2,000 or $3,000 depending on your family size. And now you begin to go attack those debts. You lay out those debts smallest to largest. As Before you even go to attack them, I would probably go to annualcreditreport.com download your credit report from the three carriers. Uh, you've got TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. Download it from those three credit reporting companies. And that way you can see everyone that you owe, because sometimes you'll miss someone. Sometimes you'll miss something from five years ago, 10 years ago. You don't want to wake up the really old ones until you've dealt with some of the more current ones. Because if you wake up something that's past the statute of limitations and you start paying on it, uh, now all of a sudden they're asking you for more money just because you were offering them something. So you want to begin to just clean these up one at a time saying, hey, I've scratched together $1,000. I know I owe you $10,000, but what can we do together on this bill? So begin to work this plan. And it takes time, it takes energy, uh, but I wouldn't hire somebody else to do it for you because now you're paying them to do the dirty work when really you need to be digging into the details and cleaning this up so that you don't fall back into it in the future. Well, we hope this episode has been helpful for you. If it has, would you please rate and review our podcast. You can subscribe also to our podcast on iTunes or your Android device. So that's easier for more people to find and benefit from this podcast. You can also share this podcast on your favorite social media platform. And please, while you're there, let us know how we're doing. Connect with us and let us know how we may serve you better. And you can also find the show notes to this episode, more content, and the links to the resources mentioned at leosabo.com. We look forward to having you join us next time so that together we can keep, keep getting, getting money right. Don't try to pass your problems on to someone else. Mm -hmm. You put on the work gloves and you go fight it. Uh, bankruptcy is not the answer. There's not an easy, fresh start to this. Mm -hmm.